Welcome to Maker Mom, a podcast where I explore the stories of Maker Moms and the life they lead. Each week, I will bring you the behind the scenes story of a new Maker Mom. I'm Katie Freeman, a furniture designer and content creator running FreemanFurnishings.com and your host of the Maker Mom podcast. You can find Maker Moms hanging out in the Facebook community at Maker Moms and on the web at MakerMomPodcast.com. If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Hello and welcome to Maker Mom Podcast. This week's guest is Jennifer of I Wear Many Hats on Instagram. Had a great time chatting with Jennifer. Uh, We definitely chatted uh, more than just about making because Jennifer is an RN in the emergency department. So we chatted a bit about that and women's health care and all sorts of other fun things. So I think you'll enjoy this conversation for sure. But before we hop into the interview, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Bonnie, Toolmom Bonnie, Laura, Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou, Made by Mary Lou, Amy, Bison Valley Carving, Dan and Kelly, Reclaim Living Store, Brandy, Studio Obey, Kathy, One Girl and Her Tools, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. All right, thank you all so very much for your ongoing support of the podcast. Now let's hop on into the interview with Jennifer of I Wear Many Hats. Awesome. Well, on the podcast, I have uh, my guests introduce themselves. So um, let's start there and give a little introduction about who you are. Hi, um, my name is Jennifer. I live in Northeast PA and I'm on Instagram as I wear many hats and I kind of sort of officially am starting to use the name made by J Craft. Okay. <laughs> um, I am a mom of two. I have two girls who are nine and six. I bought a house two years ago and um, I also, I am a nurse. I work in a, as an RN in the emergency room. Okay. I have also three dogs and two cats, so it's busy <laughs> in my house. It is busy, so you'll appreciate if you hear either two kittens in the background or a dog in the background of uh, at yeah, my house. One of <laughs> he looks like a black version of our dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, All right. Well, before we get into kind of like, you know, the maker piece and stuff, let's go back to your childhood. Where did you grow up? What kind of things were you interested in as a kid? So um, where I grew up is always like, oh, it's like a complicated question. People ask me, where are you from? (laughs) So I was actually, um, my parents are from the Dominican Republic. Um, my mom flew over to Puerto Rico so I could be born American citizen. And then I just went right back to Dominican Republic and I lived there until I was like three or four. And that's when I moved to the United States. Um, I grew up in mostly Queens and Washington Heights. Um, and then my junior year of high school, we bought a house in New Jersey, which I was very upset about because I didn't want to leave New York City. <laughs> Um, I was actually um, in downtown Manhattan in school for 9-11. Um, 
I was about two blocks away. So my parents were not very happy when I chose to go to college again in New York City um, because they were trying to kind of get us out of the city. But I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a city girl at heart. Um, and then I was in Brooklyn with my boyfriend for good six, seven years before we moved out to the suburbs, which is quite an adjustment in Northeastern PA. So mm -hmm. I've been around the block from a lot of places. Yeah. Um, I actually... I originally went to school for fashion merchandising. I had a little bit of, um, I guess I've always had a little bit of a creative streak, but nothing that was super strong. But I was always a nerd and interested in math. So I thought fashion merchandising was a nice little combination of the two, a little bit of creativity and business and math. Um, I used to sketch when I was younger, nothing good, but I used to like to sketch <laughs> um, clothing mostly. Mm -hmm. And um, my dad was a handyman. Um, he, when I grew up, he was a super of um, buildings. So he was always fixing things. Um, when we moved to New Jersey, he had a garage. And I, although I had zero interest of what was going on in the garage at all, like none whatsoever, I did always love the smell of wood when he was cutting it in there. So um, that that's pretty much my only memory. I didn't really have any ex much aside from that much exposure to woodworking or making. It wasn't really on my list of things that I'd ever see myself doing. Okay. How'd you get into being an RN from uh, fashion and merchandise? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so my husband has a friend who was, um, she's been an RN and he's, that's, they've been friends for a good like 20 something years and when she first met me she was like oh my god you'd make a great nurse and I looked at her I'm like you're crazy you'd make uh, me a nurse that's not happening um but after I had my first daughter it was a suboptimal experience not that the nursing was and the experience with the people wasn't great um but my actual birth plan didn't go as I wanted um so when I had my second daughter I consciously made a choice to um work sorry to work with a midwife and I actually had my youngest at home in my living room in a pool mm -hmm. and I worked with a certified nurse midwife and my mind was so blown at the type of care that I got um from a certified nurse midwife versus a doctor that I was like oh my god I have to be able to help other women achieve this um but in order to become a midwife you first need to be an RN um and when I moved to New, to Pennsylvania, the cost of living was low enough that I was actually able to go back to school at around 25, 26, which I also thought I was crazy. So, and <laughs> but I finally graduated. I graduated two years later than I wanted to because life happens. Um, but I graduated at 31 as an RN. So here I am. Um, I'm about to be a year at my job in the emergency room. Okay. It is definitely still on my horizon. Um, labor and delivery it will always be my passion. Mm -hmm. um, I can go on for hours and hours of the state of our maternity care in the U.S. and how bad it is and how much it's lacking, especially for women of color. Um, literally for hours I could talk. So <laughs> it is still something that I'd like to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but um, I'm loving working in the ER and I'm learning a lot and the environment and certain aspects are pretty similar. Um, so I want to be stronger as an ER nurse for a little while longer. And my plan kind of is, um, you know, when I burn out, I'll go back to school and, <laughs> and I, I know I'll have that as an option when I'm done with the ER. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, but your life in ER has got to be a bit crazy right now. Um, 
I would assume there's yeah. a lot of COVID uh, going on. Um, so where I am in northeastern PA, uh, one of the hotspots is actually um, in the town closer to where I live, but it is about 30 minutes from where I work. Okay. So surprisingly, I didn't see as much COVID as I thought I would, but it drastically, drastically changed our jobs in the ER. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had so many changes and it's, it's it's so strange the the couple of months where covid was at its peak uh the er was actually pretty quiet because people were afraid to come mm. um which was very eerie and concerning because i'm like where are the people having the actual emergencies they're just not coming either so now what i'm finding is in the past three weeks we've had a resurgence of really sick people because they had avoided coming to their doctor and to the er for the past you know four or five months and now everybody's showing up super sick and we're so busy but now we're also getting a mini resurgence of covid with the restrictions being lifted so we're now having a mix so now we have a mix of people who are super sick coming in but then we're still getting COVID people getting tested and now some COVID people you know who are actually sick at the same time so it's almost worse now than what it was at its original peak Mm -hmm. yeah I don't I don't doubt that whatsoever um it makes total sense (laughs) you explaining how that worked out um You know, I'm like, it's funny, I'm like, I would have never thought myself to be a nurse, and I would have never thought while I was a nurse in school that I'd be a nurse during a pandemic. I was just like, right. not on my <laughs> Right. Um, I just want to spend a little time briefly to talk about, like, what drove you to, to get into nursing before we switch back over to making, because um, I agree, like, when I had my first... Um, born as well like definitely nothing went according to um, my birthing plan and there was all kinds of things that went wrong and you know ended up with like c-section and all of that stuff Um, and then and I went I did the same thing I went with a midwife for my second as well except for I I did not get to end up having uh, my youngest, uh, as I would have wished either. Um, I ended up with another C-section. Um, but I totally agree. I, I am, I could talk forever about, uh, reproductive health care in, in the U S. Um, because it's one of those things to me, as far as like in hospital care for those situations, also going, wait a second, like all of us pregnant moms definitely outnumber all of these doctors. Um, so why do we not have more of a voice in our care? It is so insane how submissive we become as women, even the strongest among us when it comes to giving birth, because they kind of hold the health of our babies over us as right. if if you don't do this and if you don't listen to me your baby's going to die and it's never that simple and you don't know any better though but then right. when you do try to know better and you do try to educate yourself we're like stop being trying to be dr google you know don't right. read blogs they don't help you like either way you, you know you come in and you're like oh well why didn't you do any education and then when you try to educate yourself they're like well who are you trying to be like stop and listen to us right. so 
it's it's so hard and then on top of that obstetrics in the field of medicine is the most mommy in the pillow is the most um litigious field in medicine um it is the most litigious field in medicine so unfortunately a lot of bella the pillow you got to move that so unfortunately doctors and nurses kind of practice and and take care of the patients with worst case scenario always right. in mind. Right. So I've come to realize sometimes you go to through this field where you uh, or this um this time frame where you feel really hateful towards hospitals and doctors and nurses, but then the now that I'm in the field and you realize how they learn and what they're taught, I don't blame them so much because it's just what they're taught and how they learn and the and the environment they're in that they're not also put in a place and they're not taught to support women. They're taught to keep that baby alive no matter what and keep yourself from being sued is kind of like their two yeah. priorities and the health and the mental well-being of mothers aren't really on the top five at all of what they're thinking of when they're taking right. care of us right yeah yeah so it's um i what happened was that right before i got pregnant with my youngest um after I left, when I had my oldest, I stopped working in fashion merchandising because I used to be a visual merchandising manager at The Gap. Um, and I loved my job and I loved my coworkers. But after I had a kid, it was just it's a schedule that's not conducive to someone with a young family at all. Mm -hmm. um, and I realized why none of my coworkers had young kids. The ones who had young kids were male who had their wife at home taking care of their kids. Right. Um, <laughs> so it's just working in retail was just not conducive anymore and I did a couple of odd jobs because all my experience was in retail um and then I got I don't even remember how really I got into looking at doula work but I started to train as a doula um and as soon as I finished my training I um actually got a job go get her I got a job as at a birth center and then I started on the birth center on Monday and then I found out I was pregnant on Friday. So <laughs> um, I was kind of like when I was pregnant, I was surrounded literally and figuratively by um, a woman empowering kind of birth scenario. Mm -hmm. You know, I was working in a birth center. I was working with midwives. I had done my doula training. So it was a natural progression for me to want to go that way. I would have given birth at the birth center, except that they did not do VBACs there for a vaginal mm -hmm. birth after cesarean yeah. and that's why I chose a home birth because I was like at that point I was kind of like every aspect of my birth plan that I kind of didn't didn't go how I wanted to and what led to a c-section were all surrounded by the fact that I was with the doctor in a hospital so I'm just going to skip the doctor in the hospital right. entirely <laughs> and it's like people say oh well then you could have done the work and found a supportive doctor and found a good hospital but that's like a lot of work to go right. through the effort to try and find someone that's in line with you that won't like say something at the beginning of your pregnancy and then change their mind at the end then also even if you have a great doctor you know what if you end up with like a shit nurse you know and that doesn't care for birth plans and has a bias towards moms who don't want epidurals you know what do you do then and most women don't think about I can fire my nurse, which you can, but nobody ever thinks that that's an option. So I was right. like, you know what? That's just too much stress and that's too much work simply to feel like I'm being listened to mm -hmm. and respected. So I just went with a certified nurse midwife and home birth and it was the best decision I ever made. That's, that's awesome. Um, I too, like I said, could talk about this forever, but I do want to move <laughs> into uh, talking about how you got into 
making. So you said you had basically like no interest in like what your dad was doing when you were growing up. So like, what, like, what was your first project? Why did you start making things? So when I first went to nursing school, I finished my prerequisites and I had um, finished my first year of nursing school, but then my husband lost his job and my brother got arrested at the same, within like two weeks of each other. And we ended up getting a private lawyer for my brother um, and that cost money. So between my husband losing his job and my brother, I just, I couldn't afford to stay in school and not work full time. So I left nursing school. I left nursing school and I was actually pretty depressed about leaving nursing school. I was really upset. Um, and I, you know, I tried to go back and forth about maybe I'll just go back and do some online like public health management or something and just nothing else in the health field was vibing with me or any other mm -hmm. degrees. So I just kind of let it go by the wayside. And I worked from home at the time. So I was home 24 seven, home 24 seven with the kids. And you know, you probably know being home. <laughs> and then you, when you start defining every aspect of yourself as a mom, that's yep. kind of like not a good thing. So I nope. needed something <laughs> to kind of make me feel productive even though I was working I needed to feel productive and, and a little bit of a creative outlet and also usefulness so at the time I was living in a really small two-bedroom apartment and my kids room had we only had two closets so there's like one closet by the main entrance and one closet in my bedroom so my kids room was like a mess um, because there was nothing to store anything in there so um, I ended up wanting a desk in their room so that they can color and do stuff because I had a desk, but I was working, so I needed it. So I needed some work for them and there was no room in there. So I don't know what prompted me to start looking on Pinterest or I, maybe I saw it and I saw the plans. I was looking for something that maybe would like fold down from the wall and I found the plans from Anna White mm -hmm. from a desk that folded down um and that but when it was folded up it looked like a chalkboard and I was like oh my god this is genius and I you know looked up at her website and I was like blown away that the fact that everything was absolutely free and it was detailed instructions so I was like okay I you know I can do this I can manage this and then I read somewhere that Lowe's would cut your wood so I went with my cut list you know from the website well no actually because I'm extra and I can't do anything simple the first time <laughs> I have to go and change the dimensions my very first build. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, so I wanted it a little bigger um, and wider. So I went and I changed the dimensions. And I, I don't know how I managed to actually not fall apart and build it correctly. But I remember doing lots of math, which also worked for me because I'm a nerd to making sure everything fit and you know reading about the thickness of the wood and making sure you take that into account when you measure things um and then I went with my cut list to Lowe's because all I had was a drill mm -hmm. and I got a pocket hole set but the little one pocket hole one that you have yep. to clamp down when one at a time right. um, and I built the folding down desk for my kids and it was awesome and I was like oh my god this is so cool like I didn't realize to make all of this and then my next project I built a shoe bin 
change. Um, and that was a lot more simpler and probably something I should have started with instead. Um, <laughs> but I made the shoe bench and I upholstered the top. And then I got into making more benches. And then I um, started selling benches because, you know, why not? Because it was an easy build. And then I made my kid's closet. And it kind of escalated from there. I don't really know what happened. It's just, it's addicting. <laughs> and the next thing I know, I bought a miter saw. And that's just it. That's just, that's history, <laughs> that's history right? Um, well, <laughs> um, so, okay, let's, let's uh, break that down just a little bit more. So, um, you know, Anna White is probably like the gateway to, I mean, I would, I would say she's probably the gateway to thousands of women getting into, um, yeah. Uh, making their own things for their own home. Um, how did you start getting into, you know, you said, okay, you started selling some benches. Like, what did that look like for you? Oh, um, so when it was a very simple build with like two by twos. Um, so the cost was not prohibitive. Um, I didn't have a garage because I was living in a tiny apartment complex, um, mm -hmm. a suburb version of it. There was only me and my upstairs neighbor and like little things. So I had nowhere to build except for a pathway in front of my house. So I would only be able to do it like in the spring and the summer. Um, I would bring all my tools and all my stuff outside. So I built one for my best friend and she loved it. And I, on a whim, and I'm, I'm a very impulsive person, fortunately and unfortunately. So I was like, what the <laughs> hell? I'll put it on Facebook Marketplace and see if anybody wants to buy it. Um, so I did. And people started putting in orders. And I probably on one point got backed up. Um, and, and, and people started buying it. But then I also quickly realized that um, I wasn't charging enough um, mm -hmm. because I was building the bench for only $60. And it was an upholstered bench. So I was taking into account um, my materials, but not accurately taking into account for the time, especially because I was buying cheap two by two. So that was like a lot of sanding and prepping and mm -hmm. then the upholstering. So I kind of stopped because I also went back to school at the same time when my, um, my sales were starting to pick up a little bit and it was time for me to go back to school. So going back to school and working and being a mom and also building to sell. Plus it was cooling down. It was just, it was too much. So I, I did stop for a very long time. I would build stuff for myself, but I, I did stop selling because, and that's one thing I also notice now. Um, it's, and I think we almost do it more as women. We undervalue ourselves and our time, especially when it comes to making stuff like these. And mm -hmm. and it's not just your hourly time, but it's also your creativity because these are your ideas a lot of times and these adjustments you make. Right. Um, so now I, I'll kind of post stuff and I'll post it at high prices and if nobody buys it, it's fine by me um, because it's my time and it's worth it that way. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's how I got started and, and people, you know, I made a couple of custom benches and my biggest um, sale was I made a series of benches with pleather for a barbershop. Um, oh. So that was like my claim to fame. It was a yeah. local business and I made them a couple of benches. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah. The, the pricing thing is always something that like I, you know, that tends to come up. Uh, and I agree. I think we all especially as women undervalue ourselves and undervalue our time because I also say that's time away from my family and time away from like you know whatever else going on in life 
Um, and I had an interesting, just via Instagram, uh, you know, message or conversation with one of the women that I interviewed for the podcast. And I talked about pricing with her because she's selling like lines of furniture to, you know, where she'll sell a bed for like $10,000. And I'm like, that's incredible. And, and we yeah. talked about like feeling comfortable with that. And so, you know, we took like an example of like one of my products and I told her like what I'm selling it for. And she's like, how would you feel if instead of selling that for, you know, $150 that you were selling that for $3,000, like just, sit with that idea that you're selling that for that price tag. Like, how would that make you feel, <laughs> you know? And it's like, you have all these other things come up. Like, I don't know if that's even worth that. Like, and like trying to get comfortable with that idea. And what makes it even harder is that I, you know, I'm, I'm not rich. I don't have that kind of money and neither are my friends and the people that I interact with on a regular basis. Yeah. So when you're starting out, a lot of your customers are people that you know and your friends and then they hear about it. So you almost feel guilty charging so much because that's not something that I could ever afford right you know for myself <laughs> exactly <laughs> so it's like the idea of charging so much is it, it is hard to sit with because it's like none of my friends or family are going to be able to afford this you know right and but then it also means you have to put in the work for you know for marketing and finding those customers that would afford it and then it's like that's another job you know the marketing exactly. aspect <laughs> and the maintenance of the west you know the, the websites and the social media and at that point i was like it's like oh my god like how, that's a lot to handle all right i'm super excited for this week's sponsor this week's sponsor is tool mom bonnie or tool mom and company so Tool Mom and Company is for all ages, genders. Uh, they have what you need for your one-stop tool-related merchandise of gifts or clothing or both. Um, her products are fun, fashionable, one-of-a-kind. And you can check her out at www.toolmomstore.com or find her on Instagram under Tool Mom Bonnie and Bonnie's B-O-N-N-I-E. Uh, you can receive an extra 20% off at checkout by using the coupon code MAKERMOM. So I have two of her mugs. I have one that says, I believe, what is it? Oh my gosh. Um, <clears throat> one is like the definition of a tool woman and the other one is just like a circular saw with flames coming off of it. And I believe it says uh, Go Girl on it, and they're super fun mugs. I, w I love drinking coffee out of them in the morning. If it's not out of my Wonder Woman mug, it is out of one of those two mugs. So you definitely should at least check out the mugs, if nothing else. And remember, extra 20% off at checkout by using the code MAKERMOM. All right, thank you, Tool Mom Bonnie, and let's get back to the episode. <laughs> Um, are you still like when you do sell things, are you still doing it mainly through Facebook marketplace? Um, it is, it is mainly through Facebook. I have a couple of projects lined up right now and it's, um, it's custom orders from people, um, like friends and family mostly. Mm -hmm. Um, I've recently kind of decided 
for now to switch gears and I'm more focusing on um, my blog that I just started um, on Wix and I'm more putting out content because I've there's so much work I need to do in my house like so much things I want to work on and I just I realize I just can't I can't be mom and an RN and wife and dog mama and build stuff to sell and DIY my house like I I I can't do all of that it's not feasible um Mm -hmm. so I've kind of focused right now my focus at the moment is uh DIYing my house I'll make stuff occasionally but I also realize that I don't like to mass manufacture so like when I got building those benches I got really bored after like the third one and it's kind of like okay I don't want to make these anymore because I'm impulsive so Mm -hmm. I've kind of decided too that I will make something if I like it I might make two or three more and then post them up for sale um or ask one or two people if they want them but I'm I don't really like putting out the same product over and over again I don't think that's ever something I'm going to like either Mm -hmm. um so when I do I will post it on Facebook and um the other apps like let go and I do have an Etsy page, but I'm not so great about using it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was like one other app that I found too, like a, I forgot what, like a different uh, app marketplace that I'll post it on as well. Okay. Um, when you made that desk, uh, that fold down desk, you said all you had was the drill. And you bought the little Craig jig, one hole um, <laughs> uh, jig for that. Um, and then eventually, you know, you got the miter saw and stuff. What did it feel like to you to use power tools in that way? Um, at first, it was scary the first time that especially you turned on the miter saw because I literally had never used one before. So I didn't have anyone show me how to use it. I'm like, you know, reading the instructions, watched a couple of YouTube videos. And the power that comes out of that is like, holy hell, like, oh my God, like that's powerful. And it kind of translates into feeling powerful too, because um, I never grew up or seen women use power tools. It was just not something that I was exposed to either. Mm-hmm. Um so it was a really powerful feeling and I was kind of like, oh shit, this is really cool. Like, you know, I can handle this, you know, that's not, right. it's not as hard as I thought it would be. Um, and, you know, I would have bought more tools except all I had was a little tiny closet. So I had nowhere to put anything <laughs> right. anyway. Um, so then what happened, which made it a little worse, was that, um, oh, I got tired of sanding like in 2.5 seconds. So a sander was probably before the miter saw. That was just, it was not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but then my mom, while I was still living at the apartment, my mom had bought a house not too far from where I lived. So, and she didn't use her garage because she, the garage, it's like one of those where the garage is by the alley of the house versus the um, front of the house. Yeah, yeah. So she, um, so I kind of took over her garage and I had started putting all my tools there. Um, and I still didn't buy much, but um, but it was nice to have a space to work in, right. and I was able to build bigger projects, so that was really nice. And again, just that powerful feeling, like, oh, this you know, workshop garage is mine. You know, I mm-hmm. I'm making all of this. What did your mom think about you doing that? Like, not um, about taking over her space, but the fact that you you were building things. You know, she thought it was cool. Most 
Especially, especially after I built her um, some benches for her deck, some outdoor benches. So she was like all for that. And she did help me stay in it at one point. Um, and my parents are now divorced. So she was also living on her own. Um, so I think for her, it was kind of nice to see, you know, a female doing something on her own and not needing any help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when you were watching those YouTube videos, figuring out how to use, you know, some of those power tools and stuff, um, like what were you consuming? Were you finding female representation to consume? Um, or were you um, consuming more like of the male DIYer channels? I think on YouTube, I found more male, but I actually um, dislike learning from YouTube videos because I'm impatient and mm-hmm. it's skipping through them. So I actually prefer to learn from blogs. And I found that the blogs were mostly female um, mm-hmm. or the blogs that I gravitated to were mostly female because they um, went into detail and ha- I don't know, they had better pictures and, and Plus, I had found Anna White, and it's funny, like, every time I would search for something I wanted to build, I would, like, 90% of the time end up on Anna White's website again, because (laughs) she has everything on there. Right. Like, everything you need, she makes, you know? Um, So, um, I I tend to gravitate for my plans and for instruction when I could to the blogs, and the blogs I I followed, whether consciously or subconsciously, were mostly female. And I I don't even think it was conscious. I was just, I would DIY, Google this and this, and and I would say more of the blogs, uh, at least now, those kind of content are mostly female for me that I find. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm Instagram, when I started really um, getting into it on Instagram, which has only been about you know, six months to a year that I've really embraced the maker community on Instagram. Um, at first it was unconsciously mostly female, but now I make the conscious decision to follow mostly female makers and female woodworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like the community on Instagram is definitely growing as far as representation of uh, women making. Um, So like you mentioned, right, you're an RN, you're a mom, you're a wife, you're a fur mom, you make things for your own home. Like, when are you, like, how are you managing that? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Not very well, at least. Um, uh, It. There's just, there's almost no good way to ever manage all of that. Um, so it's just depends on the day I'm juggling one ball more than the other. It kind of is, you know, so um, like this past two weeks, I haven't done much in terms of making and DIYing at all because I've worked a couple of shifts, 12 hours back to back. And then the next day when I work three days in a row on my first day off, I'm like dead to the world. I can't do anything. So I, like, I barely parent and cook and then that's all the man, you know, energy I have. Um, and then the day after that, you know, it's been four days since I've paid any attention to my house. So I have to clean and, you know, mm-hmm. catch up with things and pay attention to my kids. Um, and the next thing I know I'm back at work. So like I spent like a good two months where I was just cranking out projects and my schedule at work was a little light. Um, and I also like neglected my house. So my house was a mess. Um, so there really isn't, at least personally, I can't find a way to do it all without mm-hmm. dropping a ball or two. So it, it depends on the day. Um, when I'm really good, I, you know, I try to do a schedule and I plan things, but like I said, I'm impulsive. So I'm not very good with that either. Um, and it, 
it it takes a village. So yeah. when I was cranking up my projects for the most, my um, for my outdoor stuff that I did quite a few, my sister was with us and spent some time. So she was, you know, taking care of the kids and cooking and cleaning. Um, for the past two, three weeks, my husband's best friend moved in with us um, because he's getting his house built, house built in Georgia. Um, so he actually loves all this DIY stuff. So he helps me with the kids and the house when I'm at work. And then when I start working on projects, he jumps on board and he helps me. So I can't imagine how women who are single moms, you know, and make and work and have kids do this because I rely on my husband and my friends and my family, you know, for help. Um, otherwise, it's just it would not be happening. Right. Um, do you feel still, you know, you said you kind of got started with the making, not just because you needed stuff, but you needed an outlet for yourself. Um, being working from home and being with your kids all the time and family all the time. Do you still feel like making is that outlet for you? Oh, definitely. I, um, I totally zone out and, um, there go. And okay. Sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, it's okay. The, the sense of accomplishment when you set out to do something and make something out of your own two hands and then you finish it and it comes to life, there's nothing like it. You know, even in my work as an RN, the sense of accomplishment there is completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I have a vision in my head and it comes to life and like, I made that there's, there's just something about that just feels so good. And when I'm making and woodworking, I, I zone out, you don't, you know, think about your problems. You don't think about how broke you are. You don't think about how terrible of a parent you feel, you know, how much you're ignoring your spouse. You don't think about any of that when you're woodworking, it's just you and your hands and some music in the background. So it is definitely still um, for sure my main outlet and my main source of stress relief. Mm -hmm. How do you make sure that you get time in to do that um because i'm selfish (laughs) it's kind of it's kind of um, taken a while to give myself permission to be selfish and to um realize that if you're not happy you can't be good at anything else that you're trying to accomplish um so for me to be a you know be happy in my job as an rn for me to be happy and as a mom um i need to be able to be happy myself so you know some you know youtube and tv and and uh, Minecraft and Roblox are going to parent my kid for a couple hours while I go work on this Um, because it's just, it it works better that way. Otherwise I'm miserable and nothing really gets done right. Yep. Um, I agree. Except for, I would say that uh, as another person I interviewed said, it's not being selfish. It's being selfless by taking care of yourself uh, it allows you to give to others. If you don't take care of yourself, then you can't give to others. Um, um, do you feel like you've had any hurdles or roadblocks at all, uh, by being, um, a, a woman of color entering this craft? Um, sometimes I wonder, um, I don't think I've spaced, face specific hurdles 
okay, be careful because Roxy pull. Only stay on the block. Or just go up and down the street. Um, sometimes I wonder, you know, I have like, I don't have a ton of followers. I have like, you know, less, just under 600 or just over 550. And sometimes I wonder, you know, if I were the traditional looking, um, put together female with makeup on for all her videos and all her photos and perfectly, um, manicured pictures, you know, would I have more followers? Would I be bigger in this world because all the accounts that I follow that have over 10,000 followers are white female. Mm -hmm. um, so I do wonder, um, I don't, I, it hasn't hit me per se, but I wonder if it, if I haven't grown as much or as fast because mm -hmm. of that. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I frankly, I don't have any proof and, and partly on Instagram because all I follow are female DIYers. I, um, for the most part, I don't really have that comparison because I don't see what the male pages put out and what their prices are and stuff like that because I don't have that many of them mm -hmm. um, on my social media for exposure. Um, but I, I definitely do wonder that, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised, frankly, uh, you know, given the, the state of everything. Um, it's also because um, Marcella, I'm trying to talk. We had this talk. We had this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> And I, um, oh God, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> oh, well, it, it, it wasn't also until um, a Black Lives Matter really made a platform on Instagram that I found a lot of other makers of color because prior to um, Black Lives Matter, the recent movement, mm -hmm. I had maybe a handful um, maybe 10 other five at that time, maybe five other female black or woman of color makers that I followed. Um, and it took for black Lives matters for me to be exposed to the rest of them, which kind of also proves to the point that prior to that, you know, um, accounts of women of color or, or just makers of color period, weren't really getting shared and highlighted. They weren't showing up on my feed through the Instagram matrix, mm -hmm. whatever it is that they use. Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting exposed to it until after black lives matter. So no doubt that is definitely inhibitive in some ways. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. And, um, I had, you know, a, a panel of women of color on, uh, to, to talk about that. Um, you may or may not, that it was, uh, Char, Wooden Maven, um, Alma, Pink Soul Studios, and, uh, Jesse, Built by Jesse. Um, I had all three of them on, uh, who, and they're all, you know, friends of mine, but I had them on to talk specifically about that. And we, uh, I shouldn't say we, they talked, uh, you know, pretty extensively, especially Alma about that. That is also her conclusion, right? Is like, there's no difference in the projects and the quality of work being put out. The only difference is the face behind, uh, what's being yeah. made. Um, and so I, I don't doubt that, right. That there's, um, I mean, systemic systemic racism is a thing so yeah. it and it affects it affects everything unfortunately yeah it's definitely definitely and um uh, systemic racism is something i am for sure aware of in the healthcare system like no doubt whatsoever and i i don't agree i don't disagree at all that it's something that you see as well in the maker community although i feel like the maker community is less um 
less biases in the way mm-hmm. that people are like, mm-hmm. oh my God, she, you know, she's a person of color. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, and it's, I, I think it's almost like just the standard that people are used to. So they don't really think of it that way. You know, I don't know. I, I, I still haven't really found any makers local to me because I really, really started getting into this like right before COVID hit. So I haven't even mm-hmm. been able, you know, I haven't mm-hmm. really reached out to look to, to partner with anyone local, but like, I don't know any local female, you know, Hispanic makers or black makers or any other person who has the interest as I do. I'm one of the things that I'm most proud of that caught me by surprise is uh, that when starting my social media and really putting myself at Uh-oh, you hit, you're on mute. <laughs> a couple of projects that she made, she was like, you know, I was inspired to pick up power tools and things, you know, because I see you doing it. So that's probably one of the proudest things um, about being a maker that I have right now is that um, enabling other women, you know, to say, you can do this too, especially other Black women, because we don't have that many other role models in mm-hmm. this industry that they can see that are doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um how close are you to Pittsburgh? I'm about two, three hours away from Pittsburgh. Okay. I'm three hours away from Philadelphia. I was going to say, I know, I know of at least one other woman maker in the Pittsburgh area, but um, uh, I don't know of anybody else in that uh, general yeah. area. Um, all right, so. What would you say is your favorite thing about being a maker? Honestly, my favorite thing is being able to make my home look a certain way that I would otherwise never be able to afford. Mm -hmm. Like right now I'm working on my kitchen um, because my kitchen was a hot, hot mess when I bought it. It was like (laughs) no countertop space. There was like three. That's just not going to work for me. So being able to put together a kitchen or my house or my front porch or anything in a way that I see, uh, you know, in a magazine or Pinterest in a way that I like and being able to make it come to fruition and -hmm. make it look good or make something for my kids um, that they want that I would otherwise be able to afford is, it's probably my favorite part. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just... I'm broke. There's just no other way any of this would happen. <laughs> because before this, like, ever, I would buy everything from Ikea. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. And I love Ikea's um, um, their aesthetic, you know, but their quality isn't always that great. Right. So um, I-, I love having another option, especially because now my closest Ikea is also three hours away. Um, <laughs> so I, it's just easier to build stuff at this yep. point. What's your favorite thing about being a mom? Oh God. Um, kids are funny. They're really funny. I feel like that's something that nobody ever told you. You know, everybody's like, Oh my God, I love my kids and they're great and this and that. But like, I feel like nobody ever told me how hilarious they are. And it's amazing. And also very scary to see their, your traits and your partner's traits, mm-hmm. um, flowering. In. So I feel like my nine year old right now specifically has, both me and my husband's worst traits <laughs> and I'm like oh my god so she's only nine and I haven't even started the teenage years yet yeah but just watching them grow and learn and become their own little selves you know attitude and all is also amazing um and it's also really humbling 
mm-hmm. then it's also like, what the fuck did I get myself into? <laughs> Why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, Absolutely. We, we still, I'm, yeah, I'm 32. So um, we haven't quite decided if the baby factory is closed. And my oldest is six now. So it's like, oh my God, to start over from scratch. So, you know, some days I'm like, yes, I definitely want another one. I can't have, wait to have another kid. And some days it's like, I, I what? No, what am I thinking? Um, <laughs> but they're, they're definitely funny and entertaining for sure. Yeah. What do you hope that they learn from watching you be a maker? Um, independence and ingenuity um, that they literally don't need anybody else that they don't want um, to need to be able to thrive and make what they want and to be happy. Um, you know, that, and that's something that my mom always taught me, not so much in a maker sense, but so much in uh don't ever put yourself in a position where you're relying on a man um, mm-hmm. so that you have to stay in a relationship even if you don't want to. So that's something I did get from her. So she was definitely one, you know, go to school, get yourself ready so that if something happens and if you are not happy in a relationship, you don't have to stay in that relationship. Um, and that's definitely something that I, I hope my, my kids see, that they... Um, can do things on their own, that they can figure things out, that they can be independent. So I try to get my oldest especially to kind of work with me on projects and she doesn't really have any interest in it at all. Um, But when I started my fence, she was outside with me and she picked up the drill and she, you know, I want to make this. And she put together like a little cat feeding station and she was like, oh my god, you can make this. This is so cool. I have so many ideas in my head. And I was like, oh my god, that's exactly what it feels like. You know? and it's like so I was like, I was so excited when I saw that, you know, in her. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether it doesn't have to be making in woodworking the way I do, you know, my oldest is also very much into like video games and stuff like that, you know, so she wants to become a, a graphic designer and design video games or design apps. Like I would be proud of her in the same way. Right. So just that they can, they can do whatever they want and you kind of get that from making as well. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, my oldest is like way into the uh, Minecraft and Roblox uh, <laughs> rabbit hole of making. And instead of watching videos on how to like, you know, build this or that on YouTube, he is watching videos on how to make things in Minecraft. So um, <laughs> my kids watch Minecraft videos of watching other people play Minecraft. I'm yeah. like, why? What's the point of that one? Like, I don't get it, but like even, um, and as much as it annoys me, I know there is a creative building aspect to Minecraft, so I'll watch my kids build these insane houses on these, you know, uh, platforms, and it doesn't bother me so much, or like my, um, it's embarrassing because I can't believe I'm I'm saying this, um, because I'm the techie person usually in the house, but like my, my nine-year-old taught me how to use TikTok. And now she's putting together all these videos. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take some pictures of my work and you're going to make my TikTok video for me so that mm-hmm. I can post it. Because, like, it's, right. it's, it's insane and cool at the same time. That's right. All right, Jennifer. Well, we're at the end of our time. So I just want to give you a chance to shout out all the ways that people can follow along with you on the interwebs. 
Um, I am mostly on Instagram. Uh, I underscore wear many hats. Um, I have a website made by jcrafts.wixsite something something.com which I'm sure you'll post. <laughs> I really should buy the, the domain. I'm working on it. I think I'm just going to buy the domain. Um, and that's pretty much it for now. It's just my Instagram and my, and my blog and, and I'll, you know, I'll be growing it. Um, but that's my humble beginnings at the moment. Okay. Awesome. And yes, I'll put links to both of those in the show notes for the episode. And uh, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. No problem. Thank you for having me. I was um, super surprised and honored to be asked to be on this podcast. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So again, that was Jennifer of I Wear Many Hats. I'll include links on how you can follow along with her in the show notes. The easiest and quickest way to find those show notes is to go to www.makermompodcast.com and that will take you straight to the show notes page. All right. Um, And then if you are loving the podcast, there are a few things you could do to help the podcast get more visibility, more followers. Uh, The super easy, quick way is to just make sure whatever you're listening to the podcast on, you have hit subscribe. So if that's Spotify or Google podcast or iTunes, make sure you hit subscribe. Also, if you can go to iTunes and leave a five-star review, that helps people find the podcast even better. Um, If you are super enjoying the podcast and you want to become a patron and give um, some monthly amount to the podcast to help support it, you can go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Maker Mom Podcast. There's several different tier levels available for you to choose from. You get to become a member of the podcast tribe and you do get extra perks such as merchandise and as soon as I get it lined up, you would also get access to the first live interview uh, being done via Zoom right now because of COVID. But that is something that would be ongoing and in the future as well. And I love all my patrons over there on Patreon. Um, so if that's something you want to look into, or you can just get some merchandise over at my uh, freemanfurnishings.com forward slash shop. And you can check out the merchandise there. There is a Maker Mom t-shirt right now that has the Mom Squad listed on the back. Uh, And that has the first 65 episodes of Moms is what's listed on the back. That will be updated towards the end of this year, around November, December time frame, to add in more names. Since we are getting super close to that 100th episode of Maker Mom podcast, plus the new Wonder Women segment, Uh, I think this is going to be a fantastic year going forward with the two episodes a week. I hope you are checking out both of those episodes. Um, So yeah, that's what you could do. When I'm not making a podcast, which lately seems to be a lot of what I do, but when I'm not making a podcast, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, all the social media at Freeman Furnishings, um, making crazy furniture, or right now doing a lot of wool carving, power carving. So you can check that out, but there is a project coming up in the future of making another carved table. So if you want to check that out, you can follow along with me at Freeman Furnishings. 
So it's Friday. We're heading into the weekend. Um, I know for a lot of you who are listening, the school year is coming up and there is a lot of uncertainty that is coming along with that school year. I feel your pain. We are in the same boat. Um, I just want you to know you're not alone and there is a community of us out there who are women, who are makers, who are moms, uh, who use making as a way to keep our sanity and be better moms and spouses. Um, just know that the community is out there. You can find us on Facebook and our group. Just search for the group of Maker Moms. Uh, you do have to request access to it, but I pretty much grant it to anybody. So feel free to join that group and we can have some conversations around just the difficulties right now of being a mom and during this COVID quarantine time and school being up in the air. I welcome all of those conversations. It's not just about making in that group since we are mostly all parents and moms as well. So you can go ahead and check that out too. All right. I hope you all have a safe, healthy, and fun weekend. I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Maker Mom podcast. You can connect with the Maker Mom community in the Facebook group page, Maker Moms. And remember, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, leave an awesome review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Thank you.